Okay, we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And uh, we'll be starting verse 1, going through verse 17. That's what we're going to try to get through today. Uh, we'll get further if we can, but that's my goal. He says, I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal or physical, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk, not with solid food, for until you now, you are not able to receive it. And even now you're not able. You are still carnal. For where there is envy, strife, and division, are you not carnal? Are you not just behaving like mere people? When one says, I'm of Paul, and another says, I'm of Apollos, is that not carnal? Who then is a Paul or Apollos? But we are ministers through whom you believed, just as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but gave God gave the increase. So then, neither he who plants nor uh, is anything, or he who waters, but it is God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward for his own labor. We are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me, as a wise master builder, I laid the foundation. Another builds on it, but let each one take heed to how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, Christ Jesus. If anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, or precious stones, wood, hair, straw, whatever it is, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test each one's work, what kind it is. If anyone's work, which he has built on it, endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. Yet so as it was through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, he will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, and this temple you are. So we're going to stop there. We're going to talk about the reality of division. This chapter really begins the, the conclusion um, of, uh, of, of this section. So I want to talk about spirituality. Uh, how does he use the word spiritual, and when you hear the word spiritual, what pictures come to your mind? You hear the word spiritual. Okay, religious, certainly. Okay, love. Pious. Hmm? Higher power? Okay. In tune to something higher? Sure. It's very spiritual. A lot of times I think of it too as not being something you can hold on to, something that you are, mm. or that is. Something internal. Okay. All right. Uh, and those are, these are all accurate. These are, they're all absolutely true. How does the world, first of all, use the word spiritual? Yeah, you nailed it. The stones—that's like one of the first things on my uh, the crystals and the oils and the salts and I'm spiritual and you know uh, that's spiritual. The word holistic has to be in there somewhere, right? If you're talking about something spiritual, it has to be holistic. I don't even know what that means, but uh, it's it's a necessary word if you're talking about spiritual things with people. 
Uh, I just. But um, how do Christians use the word? We've kind of talked a little bit about that. How is it often used? Maybe to one up another person. Okay, so so in a negative sense, you know, I'll, I'm I'm spiritual, right? And that was kind of probably some of what was happening here, right? Uh, or, or maybe ask this: if, if and I'm talking not amongst just in the broader church, you know, Christianity in general. What pictures do you think of when you think of the word spiritual, religiously? As we're talking to, as it pertains to religion, aspect of our faith. I think of anything involving God. Okay. Okay, so there's, there's a difference, I think, in, in how it was intended to be used. And all these answers are things that reflect how, I believe, God intended it to be used. And what you'll see, I think, it is a growing thing within Christianity is the superficial spirituality. <coughs> Raise the hand. you got to sway. So swaying adds to the spirituality of the hands. Right. Um, various things like that. It's used as a synonym for emotional. I think of two from a worldly sense, not from like the Indians. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so like Eastern religion, yeah, Eastern religion kind of gets into that like 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 that same thing and and that kind of gets brought into Christianity, I think sometimes, uh where they're mimicking this this altered emotional state. Um so and there's like uh, Buddhist temples and stuff like that. Yeah. Yep, yep, the meditation um, and, and various things like that is very. Uh, if you look at some of that, it looks very I, almost identical to, except they're sitting down and you know in a church sitting up, standing up or whatever. You know, uh, there's not much difference in the in the appearance of it. Um, so, so I think that's kind of important to notice. So we want to look at specifically at Paul's word. And, and, and Paul's usage of the word spiritual. Now, first of all, does Paul suggest that his usage of the word means that they're not Christians? No. This is odd. We use the word spiritual as a synonym for Christian. And it is not. He's speaking to Christians, but he says, you're not spiritual. Now, I think in time we better get spiritual or it will impact our Christianity. What, does, what is the manner in which Paul uses this word? It's not necessarily to say that this is the exclusive way to use the word, but in this text, what does it mean? Their thoughts were not on things concerning, not things that they couldn't see or feel. Okay. All right. It, it's it's the development. It, it, it's how deep they've gone in their Christianity. That's what spiritual means. They were still on surface things. Their their minds were still affected by physical principles, uh, and that's 
That's literally what it means. Spiritual, spirit, inside, the internal, like you're talking about. Um, as opposed to an emphasis on physical things. Now, uh, this doesn't mean they weren't religious. It doesn't even mean they weren't Christians. Their lifestyle appears to be not reflecting. Yes, yes. And that's going to be because their emphasis on physical things. And that's why, uh, that's why I said, eventually it will impact your Christianity. Right. We start... He says, this is why you guys are at the milk stage. <laughs> You're at the baby stage. You have to get deeper, otherwise you'll... You can't survive on that forever. Eventually you have to go deeper, otherwise you're going to lose it. And so, so I think that's the encouragement here. He understands where they're at. And we talked about that um, The, you know, in, in Hebrews. was the same thing. It's the same metaphor, right? Uh, the, the using of milk. If somebody's giving you milk, you're an infant. Yeah. You're being fed. Right. You're not feeding yourself. You're not. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take any effort. Somebody else is doing the effort. Right. Giving it. Mm-hmm. That makes you dependent. Right. And I, I think that's that's their problem is they're so dependent, and that's who they're dependent upon is forming some of these you know divisions. Well, I'm. Of Paul and I'm, he's like, you're physical. You're 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 dependent on these things. You've got to get to a mature point where you're past these things. Um, so, um, so so his descriptions of spiritual and and the opposite then unspiritual. Uh, how does specifically does he define unspiritual? Okay. Right, it, it's really it's visible through its symptoms, right? Uh, we understand what it is by the things it creates. If if these are here, you probably got this. And so, um, so check the symptom list. Uh, so it has to do with your depth of thought, your ability to apply scripture for yourself. And, and live a life based on on those principles. That's something to do with following God's standard versus the world standard. You're always going to find a way to one up somebody in the world, but God's standard is so much higher. And mm-hmm. you know, right at uh, Galatians, uh, the fruits of the Spirit, and just look at it as a checklist. How many of those am I doing? Yeah. Poorly and I'm fighting, that's probably not following the fruits sure. of the Spirit. Okay. It's uh, a good point. Um, <clears throat> Those are those are good checklists to run through and, and, and try to identify. We all have things that we do, right, in terms of whether it's your work or your hobbies or whatever. So in those places, wherever you're at, you run into a problem. What tool do you reach for? Right? What tool is your your go to tool? <laughs> Well, I'm just in a natural way. I'm in, I'm in my garage. I have a problem. What do I reach for? Hammer. Right? <laughs> Beat it. <laughs> See if that works. Right? I'm driving down the highway. I don't have a hammer. So my, I got a, my, my little vent fan kind of makes noise in the cold. What do I do? Bam! See if that works. Right? That's, just, that's what I do. I reach for the hammer. Right? And, and this is kind of what he's saying. 
what tool are you reaching for? Right yeah, no, that, that that's not a tool. That does not exist in my toolbox, <laughs> right? And don't pray for that. No. So, um, when when he's talking here, he's saying you guys are reaching for the physical tool. You come with problems. You have a problem. Religiously, spiritually, whatever. The tool that they reach for is a physical tool. That's how they solve their problems. It doesn't mean that they're not Christians. It means that they've been raised with a set of tools that are their default tools. Right? So, so how are they going to solve the problem of self-worth or the problem of whatever? They're, they're finding their self-worth through physical means. I identify with this person. Right? That's, that's what they were raised with, the philosophy. I, I, I was raised with philosophy, so I solve things with philosophy. Uh, I was raised with this. I'm a Jew. I was raised with Judaism. I'm going to solve things with the, the principles I know. You, you said you're all still physical. And so you're looking for the person you think aligns with that, and it's creating your divisions because of the tools you're reaching for, and they're not spiritual. Uh, any thoughts before we move on? I have a quick thought. Yeah. Um, so I follow Paul and I follow Apollos. Is that anything like what we still see today? Well, I follow Calvin and oh, Sure. And it would be. It would be very. It would be uh, very similar to that. And even let me make that more specific. You, you'll be in a conversation, and someone says, "Oh, do you listen to this podcast? You ever heard that?" I have no idea who that is. Uh, so, so some people are very into well, not even necessarily for vanity's sake, but they've just latched on to this person. What was that guy? He just died, and then, huh? No, 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 no. What that too? That too? <laughs> yeah. No, no. Um, Robbie, Rami, Robbie, Javi. Yeah, that guy. Right? People. And then all of a sudden he comes out, oh, not such a great guy. Right? And it does something to your faith. Why? Because you are dependent. People do that too with preachers. They're yeah. tied to the preacher, yeah. not to the church. Right. The preacher leaves. Right. Oh, I and then gone. And that happens inevitably. Every time a preacher leaves, someone was attached. And they, they, they take it as a, an affront that he's not there or what have you, or they, they follow him if he's local, they follow him to the next place. That's true, right? Uh, so, uh, like a little fan club. So, um, I, I think that that's how it manifests itself frequently. Um, so, verse 5, he, he starts sort of a, a separate topic. Not separate, but within that broad topic, he kind of takes a shift. He says... Okay, so then let's back up and say, who are we really? Um, There's an interesting statement in here. He says, we are fellow workers of God. I don't like that statement. How can I be considered a fellow anything with God? I mean, if he had said Christ, I mean, it's kind of, okay, Christ was here, and so there was kind of like a human connection through at least the second, you know, 
while he was there, you could kind of say, okay, how in the world can we be considered a fellow anything with God? Okay, okay. In that we are all a part of the same purpose. Not that I'm on par or that I'm... When we use the word fellow something, we use it like my fellow classmate, my fellow worker, my fellow whatever. We kind of think of it as a contemporary or someone on par with. And it's like, that's not the way he's using it. Yeah. Well, earlier in the paragraph, Paul kind of explains how the whole chain works. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're part of the chain. You know, that, that was God's plan for us to be right. part of the chain. So I, I agree with you. Not like not in the same way, right. but like you said, all part of the same purpose, same thing. Right. You know, and he even says that each assigned to his own task. Right. Everybody has their own thing to do. Yes. NIV says co-workers in God's service. <clears throat> as long as it relates to people, I'm okay with that translation. Once we put God as co-workers, nope. <laughs> That's not the idea here. It says in God's service. Yeah, yeah. If if you and I can be co-workers, we can look at it that way. But we are fellow workers with God. The with I I, I have a problem. Any I understand what he's driving at. Right, he's not saying I'm equal to God. But any any as, as like you'll see that bumper sticker. God is my co-pilot. He better not be. <laughs> he better not be co anything with you. He he better be in the seat. You be in the back. <laughs> that's that's how this is, uh, and, and no backseat driving while you're at it. That's that's kind of I, I, I some of those those little idioms I I, I cringe at. That um, feels like I'm beyond. I'm putting myself beyond where I need to be. Um, <clears throat> so so it's the fact that we are together with God is. The idea that that we have one purpose, that we're together, and and he's not he is not differentiating differences between him and other people, and that is important. So, <clears throat> I want to look at the mechanics then of laying foundation. Uh, how many foundations? One. That's important. Now, who laid the foundation and when? This is going to be kind of come important. Who laid the foundation and when? Without look, not when he was born. Close, you're getting there. How was the foundation laid? When he died, when he rose. Right, that's the foundation of, of Christianity. That's the center of it. So, how can Paul say that I laid the foundation? Okay. As it relates to them, he laid the foundation for their understanding of this. He didn't lay the foundation. He had nothing to do with Christ dying and raising. But he laid their foundation of faith. He was God's chosen instrument right. of Damascus. On. Okay. He could have chose to not do that. Okay. So at that sense, he decided to lay the foundation. Okay. So... Um, so we just want to be clear that he didn't lay the foundation. When he says, you know, you can't lay it again, there's one foundation. He's talking about the concept, not, the, uh, not whether or not he 
had anything to do with the actual establishment of, of Christ's death and resurrection. So he says, um, what is what is the uh, in verse six? It talks about God giving the increase. I want to talk about what, what that means. How does God give the increase? I want to be very tread cautiously <laughs> through this. All right? How well? How is this usually used? How is this frequently? I should say. I don't know if it's the majority or not, but how is this frequently used? Do you suppose? I planted, Paulus watered. God gives the increase. I always thought of it like, you know, I someone someone planted the seed, and then someone else maybe came along and okay. watered it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay, those are true. I want to get to the God gives the increase part. Oh no, I, I, I'm on a different comment. God adds us to the church. God works on the heart. Okay. Which is where it has to the seeds planted or whatever. How? How does he do that? How does he do that? <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of answers I don't know. Or, or maybe that's what we should say. What does he not do? What do I know he doesn't do? Not do but fail. Everything but not fail. He doesn't force. Okay, so he's not going to force somebody to become a Christian. Mm-hmm. And that's how this is used. See, I planted a pause water. God made everybody be Christians. Mm-hmm. He chose the people who were going to be Christians. And it's tempting to look at this because it seems to be, if you just look at that, and I'm not saying we use that here, but I'm saying in the religious world, there's a group of people that look at this verse, and this fits into that theology. I know that's not true. There are numerous scriptures to that effect. So I, I know it's not that. Yet this is here it is. God gives the increase. In what sense does God give the increase then? Okay. That's how God gives. All right. Okay. Yeah. throughout time. Yeah. I also kind of view this as whenever he's saying that, you know, I planted it, Apollos watered it, but God's God's the only one that can make anything actually happen. Like, I can only do so much as a person. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't, like, you see, you've seen through history whenever people try to force other people to be Christians or force them to be whatever religion, you know, we already talked about that, you know, like the whole crusades and all that <coughs> that went on then. You know, that's, that's not really... You know, having the Christ-like attitude there, but he's he's acknowledging that you know I can only do so much. God is one. God's God's the head of all these things. He's the only one that can really make things happen, and it's really uh, okay. 
Because he even says, you know, whoever plants and whoever waters we're nothing. Okay. So, so I can, let, let, let's use his illustration. <clears throat> I can plant all I want. And I can water all I want. Now, you, you go out and you're like, okay, we dug up this garden and we're planting grass. Now, I, I, we threw a ton of seed out there. I go out a week later, there's still seed, they ain't doing nothing, and there's green stuff. Now, I planted all the seed, and I watered all the seed. I cannot make or determine which one of those turned into grass and which ones just rotted. can't determine that. It's just it's something in the seed, right? And yet we give the credit to God. Yeah, for, for ourselves. Look at what a great garden I planted. Well, it's the, the parable of the sower, too. Yeah. There's all different types of heart. Okay. You think about how you were taught. Somebody comes in with something totally different from what you, you're taught. Mm-hmm. People are struggling in so God helps answer if they're truly searching. The other thing I was thinking about this is that it also kind of illustrates that people, like even Paul and Apollos, they're not going to save the world. Right. They're not saving anybody. <laughs> right. God's the one right. who has the power. At the it's, I can't make the grass grow. Right. Okay. You have to rely on somebody else for that. I can't do that for you. Right. In the end, it, it, it will it all is attributable to God, who designed it to work that way. No. Terry. Well, I was going to say, it's like, you know, whatever we do, it's, it's, without God, it's meaningless. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's like, it means nothing. Like, we're nothing. Because it's like, if you could do all that, but if God hadn't created seeds, the way he did. Right. You could throw these things. And right. You could water it. I could throw rocks on the ground. They ain't never going to. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to me, it's like that's. Right. Not you get into yeah. If God chose this person or not person. No, but I say. Right. And, and, and meaningless. to make it more practical and not just kind of philosophical, to look at things that God himself can do and arrange. There are so many things that, that are variables that I can't see. You see. We ask the question, well, how does God do this? I, I can't answer that. Because there's so many variables that, that are beyond my comprehension. How I'm in a particular place and another person who needs something is in a particular place. And that happens. Or the situation into which I was born. You know, I, I mean, we were born and... I was born in, in the house we lived in was purchased by a preacher. I, I mean, and that's how my family became Christians. Like, all these different things that God can maneuver. And sometimes those seeds take years and years and years. Yeah. Yes. 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 Oh. Yes. Yeah. There's people that reject it and reject it before they accept it. My mother threw those tracts away she got because she was Jehovah's Witness, and every day the preacher gave her one, and that's forbidden. And so every day she went upstairs and threw them in the trash for like a year. <laughs> Until finally one day she's like, 
and then through. You know, like, and that is kind of how, how it slowly developed. And, and, and who was it God that kind of made it go, just, just look, you like it. You know. There's a cookie-cutter approach that works for everybody. I mean, even John, I'm going to say his name, Buddy Edwards, the sinners in the hands of the angry God thing, that probably didn't reach every single person. Yeah, it probably scared a lot of people to death and made them repent, but that then it probably didn't work on everybody in there. Sure. You know? Right. And, but that was a clear-cut formula, right? You know, right. Yeah, we, it's not a formula. You're right. You're, and there's no formula here. So I, I don't think that that you're right. That there is an there is an element where where he he yeah. I, I don't I don't think any of those were forced to sin necessarily, but but that he created vessels and 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 there are different personality types and all sorts of different things, and those things kind of find their way. You know, like you find your way. Certain things, sure. That, that's that's what it says. It said he, yeah, um, as a as a thing to to accomplish a purpose. It is hard for us to wrap our mind around it because we think that Judas was predestined to go to hell. No, he wasn't. He had every opportunity, as much as Peter did, to repent. Um, he had every opportunity. That what he did had no. Uh, he could have been forgiven every bit as much as the thief next to Jesus. I mean, he 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 had every opportunity. Even more so because he was in. Yeah, because he had seen all that stuff. He had seen grace. He had seen forgiveness on a daily basis, right? So he was he was chosen and molded to do something, but not he was not chosen to go to hell. Uh, that that is important. Uh, but what you're saying is true. Is like we. we we confuse the two sometimes, and, and it's important that we accept the idea, because those statements are made. They're made about you know various kings throughout the Old Testament, and uh, you know Nebuchadnezzar or, or whoever, and to, to, that they were raised to do awful things. <laughs> it was like I raised up my servant to do this, but that's a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, but it it affects my purpose. <laughs> Well, he, he says, he even says that, we're going to get into that even later in Corinthians, that, that he's made, you know, if, if, if everything was, he, he says that there are vessels for honorable use and vessels for dishonorable use. It doesn't mean they're all for, for hell, but it, it, it's some people were made to do dirty jobs, right? Some, like, this is your job, sorry, I need you to do this. After an attorney to heaven, you, you won't remember that you did the dirty job. <laughs> After... You know, and, and at this person, oh, I wish I had the nice job. I wish I had the, the, the job, you know. And, and we can look at people who do all these things and, oh, man, I wish I was a, you know, preacher's dude. 
It reaches the oh man, I, that would be awesome to be a preacher in a church of seven thousand people or what? You know, like like people, preachers look at that. It's like, who cares? It's really not your job to worry about what task you were assigned. Your job is to be whatever. Do it. And God uses that, then you have fulfilled your purpose. And God doesn't grade them differently. You have a purpose? Fulfill your purpose. Boom. Yep. I was going to say, maybe the concept of predestination that, like, maybe it's like if you were constructing a business, if you said, you know, well, this, the, I have this position in my business and I have predestined the person that's going to fill that role. Mm-hmm. Will Those are the duties that they're going to have. Now, it's your choice whether or not you're going to be. So, right. And, and there. Like David and Saul, completely different path. They both did something bad, but I don't think Saul ever really realized that he did anything bad because he kept making more and more mistakes, not listening to the prophets. Uh, not killing everybody who's supposed to kill or keep them alive. And then Dave, obviously, messed up with Bathsheba, but the way that he reacted to that was yeah. different than how Saul did. And that's why God didn't make David's heart harden. Yeah, I, I, we get into hearts. It's really difficult yeah. to know, you know, 3,000 years ago or 4,000 years ago what people, what people were thinking or feeling, you know, unless it tells us. Um, there are things that I know are true and things that I know are not true. And within that framework, it's hard to figure out the specifics of everything. It's just, these are the limits. I know God doesn't make me go to heaven or hell. I know he doesn't choose that before I'm born. So anything that he predestines is going to be within the framework of accomplishing a purpose, a physical purpose. Okay, I need this people, (laughs) to leave this land. I'm going to harden you (laughs) so that this happens. What happens to your soul after that is up to you. Okay, Okay, I need uh, this person to die to save humanity. Okay, I need a catalyst for this. Okay, you, this is your job. You're going to do this thing. Okay, and and not only that, I'm going to put this person who would do that thing amongst the 12 apostles where he will have the position to do so at the right time. And this is like we're saying, all these little variables that he's piecing together to make sure it happens. This is your... Right. And so you said after Judas still had time, he could have repented. Yeah. yeah. He, went, he shows remorse. He shows remorse. He goes in, he refuses to accept the money. Right? He already has the remorse. He has the right emotional response. He just made the wrong decision with it. There's nowhere that says that God was controlling what he did at that point. He was raised to do what? He was raised up and placed to betray Jesus. That was it. He was not raised up to hang himself. That was his choice. And we sometimes take all of Judas together into one totally evil man from the beginning of humanity. <laughs> that, that, was not, that was not who he was. He might have thought that, you know, he's seen Jesus do miracles after miracles after miracles. He thought, you know, right. I can get 30 pieces of silver. I can get 30 pieces of silver, right. Jesus is going to get out of this like he has every other time. Yeah. Right? Like, like, that could be a thought. I mean, uh, there's endless possibilities. Um, but, um, 
we're saying is that we assume that the heart of the heart is a permanent thing, and you just it, it's, that it's not. It's not a permanent thing. Have you ever seen? I mean, have, have we ever known somebody that totally didn't want to be a Christian and end up becoming one? Yeah. Right? Have you ever have you ever seen somebody that couldn't stand a guy that ended up marrying him? All right. So, so hardened hearts are not a permanent thing. There, there is a certain amount of choice that we have in those. And if you go back, like even in, even in the case of Pharaoh, you'll find before it ever says God hardened his heart, you'll see like four or five times it says he hardened his own heart. <laughs> he he kind of had an input into that on his own. Um, so, uh, so I think that's important. Um, we're going to run out of time long before we get to where I want to. Um, but that's quite all right because these are awesome comments, uh, really good contribution. Um. <clears throat> One thing that when you were talking about hardened hearts and choice, that's kind of the point of you know, choice as well, but it's not a life sentence either. Mm-hmm. You're right. You can change the repentance. Yes, you can. Being God's faith hard and not your heart. Yes, yes. So, so how would he force somebody to do somebody something that he tells us not to do, right? Uh, so in one place we're talking about, uh, he, says, he says, don't harden your heart as in the days of the rebellion, right? And that, that, that's throughout the book of Hebrews and, and, and in other places. Spiritually, don't harden your hearts against God. Um, if God chooses me to be bullheaded and make a decision that fits into his purpose, I have no control over that. But I have the choice of how I'm going to spiritually respond to that. Um, otherwise, the other promises that God makes are, are contradictory to that statement, and we might as well not be here this morning. So, um, so I want to get back in, into something Liz said: is that the intent of the passage, everything here, goes back to the concept of division. That's the broader topic. That's, we, these are all important components to kind of dissect and understand what they are and aren't saying. But at the root of it, he's going to one cause. He's going to or one, one application, and that is eliminating division compared to what God does. What Paul does is of little significance, almost no significance. What is the preaching if Jesus doesn't die? It's nothing. What is, the, what is the other person coming along and teaching deeper thought, like Apollos maybe, if Jesus doesn't die? Right? This is all the, the, going back to the, the unspiritual things that, that are causing divisions. Um, so we're going we're gonna to pick it up in verse 12 uh, next, next week. Any other thoughts as we close?